0: You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Hello, Heat Nation. I'm David O'Mill, the host of Locked On Heat, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Please make sure to follow the show if you haven't already, wherever you listen to podcasts to get the latest episodes. Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. It's hard to enjoy the Miami Heat season. and ended abruptly, of course. And while most of you have moved on pretty easily, I still think it's worthwhile to look back and take stock of what went wrong before looking ahead to potentially better days. And to help me do that is an NBA writer with the Action Network, as well as a host on Locked on Nuggets, as well as Locked on NBA. It's Matt Moore. How are you, Matt? I'm doing well, man. How are you? (laughs) Hanging in there, you know. It's been a very strange couple of I guess a week and a half or so ever since the series began and ended so quickly, not the way a lot of people covering the team or even fans expected it to go. So this was a good invitation to talk about that because you had some strong opinions about it. And I reached out and said, Hey, you want to come on the show and kind of feels like this is one of those invitations where people post a a picture of themselves and say, roast me. So I'm uh, curious to hear your perspective on things. What was your overall take from Miami's playoff performance?
0: I have such a hard time with this because I think how things will look in a year may be very different. Like I've gone back and forth on it between I, I brought up, like I've, you know, I, I brought up some stuff on Twitter. That's made heat nation a little mad. And I understand that. I still think I need to start first with like, look, Alonzo morning is my favorite player of all time. Kind of hard yeah. to make the argument that I'm anti heat. I was pretty defensive of them uh, during the big three, the triad years, as I refer to them with Le- yeah. LeBron and and Dwayne Dwayne is honestly top five for me and my favorite players I've ever seen. He was incredible. Uh, one of my favorite interviews. Uh, so no big like lingering stuff. I go back and forth a lot between, okay. None of the the final four teams have had a good year and that's an understatement. You know, the Lakers are hanging on by a thread versus the Suns. the nuggets lost Jamal Murray, the Boston Celtics literally are reorganizing their entire team after what happened to them this last season. And so there is this kind of question of for all of the was the the bubble the fluke i think a reasonable question is like look there's a lot of people that think that this year was just completely messed up with the schedule the short offseason, everything that there aren't a lot of things that you can take sustainably from this
1: that, that's i fair. tend to
0: think I, I tend to think that there's like a, a mix of the two like i think that there were certain things that were only going to exist in the bubble in that time and made that run special but difficult to sustain and then a lot of things that went wrong for the heat this year are probably things that they can that aren't they're not going to suffer with going forward regardless of what they choose to do with the roster
1: like what What specifically do you think is that that, that they'll be
0: able to fix or not fix you would hope jimmy would be a little healthier Right. And he says a says floor. I think just having not a schedule where you have all this stuff, the COVID obviously being yeah. a little bit of a problem sure. for everyone that's experienced it. I think, you know, offensively, that's where I think I have the most question marks. Like I have a lot of faith in Spalster to be able to build a, a, if not elite, then high end defense around as long as they have any modicum of defensive talent. And they do, they still have quite a bit again, depending on what they choose to do with the roster. And so, like, I think there's a lot of things that that you can take going forward and say, okay, like, you know, Duncan had a weird end to the season, regardless of what they choose to do with him. If they bring him back, then, you know, maybe he returns into being so dangerous. Tyler had a little – had, obviously, a pretty considerable sophomore slump. He's not the first player to do so. Like, he's not the first player to struggle in their second year. That happens a lot. So it's entirely possible that he gets in the lab, fixes some stuff, and comes back out and plays and plays much better. And then you've also got obviously the fact of like, look how, how bad would they have looked if they had not faced the Bucks? If they had faced the Knicks, the Hawks, I think is the Hawks have looked really good. But I think that that's like a, a legitimate question of that series is, is no doubt closer. The Hawks are, are good and dangerous, I think. But that series is no doubt closer. So I just think that there's all these things you can kind of wrap in there and say, okay, it, seating home court, more rest, not as much of a crazy schedule, better off season. The, if you had run everything back in a normal season, I think the outcome is a little bit different, even if I don't think necessarily that it would mirror the 2019-20 success because of what happened in the bubble.
1: Yeah, I'm a little surprised. You make it seem a lot more positive because I, I would have thought that you would have been a little bit more down on, on this season. Look, I, I to me, I, I feel like, I'd never really had any sense of what this team was going to be able to accomplish in the playoffs because they did struggle through the regular season. And because of all the factors that you've mentioned and things that I've said on this show many times, it's so hard to kind of extrapolate any sort of really real sense of what a team can do. Like you see snippets here and there, you see flashes, but even the the heat themselves, they were very good defensively and they struggled offensively. And then towards the last month of the season, they kind of flipped that script and, and so you wonder, well, which version of this team is going to show up? And I, I had pinned a lot of my belief in Miami on Jimmy Butler's ability to just have a transcendent playoff series, mm. and that didn't work out. And I don't, I don't know how much I can take away from that either because there were shots that were – look, I, I know I sound kind of homerish here. The Heat played a pretty fine series overall. I think a lot of the shots that they should have been able to knock down, they just didn't. And I can't give Milwaukee full credit for that because there were a lot of open mid-range jumpers that you expect Jimmy at all to be able to knock down and they just couldn't. And so I wonder whether or not it's – am I being crazy and thinking that Miami had a much better chance of being able to knock off Milwaukee if some of those shots had just fallen? Or at least keep the series competitive. Like a sweep, I don't think anybody really expected that. Like maybe the most – you know, strong, maybe the, the biggest Bucks fans might have said, oh, I predicted this all along. But I think that's really unre- unrealistic. You look around the national media landscape and nobody really thought a sweep was likely. A lot of people thought Miami had a really good chance of knocking off the Bucks. So I I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of crazy in thinking that that Jimmy should have just been able to be, if he had been better, Miami might have had a better chance
0: at, at knocking off, or at least, again, making the series competitive. I agree, except for, I'll just say this. I don't think there's, again, there, there's a difference between who Jimmy was in the bubble, which was like a top 10, top five player, and who Jimmy Butler has been for the duration of his career, which is a guy that one night will look like a transcendent superstar, and the next night will look like, a oh, pretty good player. Like, this has been one of the key differences is, and like, I talked about a lot about this in the finals when he had those big games. I was like, you want to go the other way in the next game because he doesn't follow it up. He doesn't, he is not a guy that's like, gonna go out there and averaging 35 in a series he's a guy that's gonna have like a 40 point transcendent performance and then next game he's 15 18 18, maybe 21 and the playoffs honestly call for a, a little bit more like this is heavy is the crown is what i'm like i always talk about this you see what dame's doing like dame had one bad game which they won in game four but dame had 55 points and the blazers lost and you can't put that one on him, but it does show you like, look, you could, you, you, the problem is if you don't have it every single game, you have to match up the times when you play well with when the rest of the team is playing well. So you're able to get four out of seven. Cause if you have a great game, but the team isn't hitting, they can't rely on you, then you're not going to be able to consistently get there. And like Butler's still a, a magnificent passer. He's a top end defender when he's healthy. There's all of these things that I think you could say about Butler, but. I do think that there is a big difference between if you're going to make a like consistent runs in the playoffs versus high end teams, that floor has going to have to be higher and everything Jimmy's ever done. has kind of been on his terms. And I do think like, that's one thing that if I were looking to like analyze their next three, four years under with Butler is that's a big question is, okay, he's going to have these high moments where he wins the game and grins and, and drops the the great press conference. But what about that next game? And what about the game after that? And you need it every single night and not just from an effort perspective. Like, again, I know it's tough. I know like it is. The, the top end play is extremely difficult, but you have to have that high floor in a playoff series because otherwise that the, these games get away from you really easy. And I think we saw that in that series versus the Heat. Look, even...
1: Given all the struggles from Miami in the playoffs and the fact that this was a very difficult season for him, you have to admit that at least Jimmy Butler had some incredible moments for Miami this season. Sure, he faltered in the playoffs, and maybe that's leaving a lingering taste in your mouth. But the reality is also that Jimmy was a fantastic player last year's playoff run, and I think that can't be overlooked. And we had high hopes for him. And part of the reason why is because he's so committed to winning. And he's so filled with the joy, the happiness, just the pure enjoyment of playing winning basketball and sharing that moment with his teammates. And that's why he continues to be the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. Sure, the playoffs are over. There's no actual games taking place. But Jimmy continues to be an inspirational type player that just reminds us of how fun the game of basketball can be. Don't forget that with a Michelob Ultra it's only worth it if you enjoy it. And it's easy to enjoy it with just 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. Enjoyment isn't the end game, it's the whole game. Miami Heat are out of the playoffs, but the road to the final still continues, and our coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it, and at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. Is is there a danger, you think, for Miami kind of building their future around two players who both seem to thrive under making plays for others? I mean, I know the, the Bam-Jokic comparisons are pretty easy to make just because, at least early in their career, you know, they both just projected as better as playmakers than offensive you know, juggernauts. Jokic obviously has transcended beyond that. And he's an incredible scorer, MVP level player, et cetera. So, I mean, maybe the comparison isn't quite as neat as you'd like it to be, but Bam seems to embrace being a playmaker above being the aggressive going for the bucket kind of thing. And Jimmy, similarly, I think a big strength of his game is being able to make plays for others. And he, he, he walks a, a very delicate balance, I think pretty frequently and being able to, just watch the game play out and see whether or not it needs more from him as a scorer. But then sometimes he's just much more comfortable being that playmaker and then kind of mixing it up with, well, I can get to the line whenever I want, whenever, whatever matchup presents itself, I'll be able to get, you know, get to the bucket, get to the line in some way and, and kind of slow the pace downward. So i more convenient pace for him. But both those guys seem to fit that mold of being just more comfortable as playmakers than scores. And I wonder whether or not Miami, Like, how do you complement those two players or are they just in danger of having a very low
0: ceiling because you have two playmakers as your two best players? I think they're going to have to evolve. And I think Jimmy's pretty late in his career to to be evolving a lot. But I think they're going to have to evolve because one thing with Joker that we've seen through the years is he went from being very self-conscious about shooting lots of shots to like, okay, if you're going to play me straight up, if this is how you're going to play me. I'm going to shoot 30 times. And that's just, if this is how you're going to play me, I'm going to punish you for it until you change. I'm going to make you give me the things I want. If you're going to say, we're going to take away your passing and we want you to be a score. Okay, I'm going to punish you over and over again until you give me the double team that I want so I can get everybody else involved. And understanding that control over the game does take some time. Like Bam has the ability to, to move in that direction. The question is, if you believe Bam can be the best player on the team, because that's what you really need is you need the guy that's going to be like, all right, if this is if they're going to play drop against me, I'm going to destroy you with free throw line jumpers every single time. I'm going to at least look at the rim and then I'm going to absolutely annihilate you with scoring. I'm going to be aggressive. I'm going to get to my spots. I'm going to do this. I'm always a, I'm a pass first guy. Like I just believe in passing. I believe that it's an underrated element of the game. I think that especially in today's environment with how shooting is fetishized, that we forget how valuable it is to get other guys going. But at the same time, you have to be able to counterbalance that by punishing teams that choose to take that away from you. And I think that's one of the things Butler and bam. It's not just about making plays for others. It's also about picking their spots. And that's a big difference is in the playoffs, you can't pick your spots. You have to make your spots. And that's something that Butler was, I think, great at doing last year in the bubble that really, obviously, I think he struggled throughout the year because of injuries and COVID and everything else and just the schedule. And then in that Bucs series, I will also say, like, he didn't have a chance to really get to his spot because the Bucks decided to put Giannis on him. And, and while he may have missed some short jumpers and those kind of environments and was out of rhythm, I... Look, I think every team that's ever lost in the playoffs is going to point to shooting variants, and they're not wrong. Like, I want to be very clear on this. The Bucs should have won in 2019. They just should have won. They created great looks. Fred VanVleet went Supernova. The Bucs should have won that series, but they didn't because shooting variance is very much a thing. There's been games in the, in the Blazers Nuggets series. There's been games in the Sun series. There's, the Clippers Maverick series has entirely depended on shooting variants, and that's just the cruelty of basketball is that it doesn't matter how you play. If one team is just super hot and or if one team is super cold, that's the result of it. But I think you try and control for as much as you can, and I don't think the heat in that first-round series, despite the shooting variance, did enough to dictate the terms of the engagement, and that was a big reason why they got swept.
1: I think a big question on a lot of people's minds is – well, I'll, I'll, I'll backtrack a little bit because I think now the buzz is actually Jimmy's contract – and I talked about it in my most recent episode. I think it's a, a done deal. I think Miami will offer that. I don't think they have any qualms of giving him the max. I, my, if there's a hope out there is that maybe Jimmy says, well, I don't really need that money because he recognizes that he's ham- he's going to hamstring the organization, their ability to add any kind of free agency, any free agents in the future. But you know, there's so much status involved when getting that big contract. And for a guy like Jimmy, I'm, I'm sure it matters to some degree but uh, where's where do you stand on on jimmy's ability to get that deal and, and make the most value out of that because obviously his game's not going to translate you talked about him not being able to evolve at this point in his career and given his lack of a jumper the fact that he's not a consistent shooting threat you're not going to get the kind of value and at 36 years old is he still going to be able to get to the line eight nine times per game uh, is he still going to put up 20 points per game probably not so I, I i know why Heat fans are concerned i also understand that the or, for, for the organization it means too much for them to pass up that opportunity. They have to take care of their guys, and and Jimmy made the decision to bring the team out of uh, mediocrity a couple seasons ago by signing there, and I think they'll reward him with a, a great deal.
0: I th- I'm with you, and I think they probably will, because I don't see Pat Riley stepping away yet. I just there's been no indication he's gunning, and at this point, you have to kind of believe like that's going to happen. Uh, When he chooses to, and as long as that's the case, then I have to believe the team's still trying to compete for a title. That's part of the equation. I I will tell you this. So everyone was real quiet after Jimmy Butler went supernova and led his team to the finals last year. And that's a fair point. But when he was on the block in Minnesota and everything was going down there before he went to Philly and everything went down there out, I thought that the biggest concerns were going to be the attitude stuff. And if that I spoke to, they all said, he's a Tibbs guy over 30. That's my concern is that he played for so long under Tibbs and that's so many minutes and so many miles and you play so hard under Tibbs night after night after night. And then you get above 30 and the historical precedent for various other players has been poor. And you can say like, yeah, but they're not Jimmy Butler with his work ethic. Well, these other guys have really good work ethics too. And their careers were derailed. Now that doesn't mean that Butler's going to slide like he can be the outlier Jimmy Butler is an outlier like he's a tenacious competitor and in pretty good shape and he's not Russell Westbrook that's entirely dependent on his athleticism like some of it's you know like you mentioned getting to the rim and stuff like that but his game is is also crafty Um, I do think I would be very concerned about giving him a deal of that length and that size at that age I also don't know what else they can do. Like this team doesn't, ha- the identity of this team has never been, we're going to rebuild through the draft. That's never been their identity as a culture right? to use the buzzword. Like even beyond the heat culture concept, they just don't take that approach. And there are teams that just simply choose not to take those approaches. And you start to, to wind down and you're like, Oh boy, this is trending in the wrong direction in the mediocrity years. Right. But then you get a Jimmy Butler and you make a finals. And the question is, Can Butler keep you afloat enough through the stretch for you to be able to compete? Now, I think there are possibilities that the team can pursue, including, you know, if you want to go like, okay, we don't care about age. We want to make a run. You know, you bring in Kyle Lowry who definitely had interest. And I, while there's going to be a lot of concern about Lowry's age, like, okay, but if it works, it's great. There is risk. And that's like the question, usually like rebuilding is the risk. Like what if you don't get the stars? Like what if you don't get the franchise player? Because then you turn out to be the the Sacramento Kings. But I got a lot of faith that the Miami Heat are never going to be the Kings. One, because of their location and two, just because of the organization. Is. Can Bam
1: be that kind of player? Like, do you see Bam? I mean, it's hard to project what the next step for him is. And there was an awkward exchange uh in his post-game presser after game four with a local reporter where he's you know he was asked, What's the next step for you to you know in your evolution? What can you add to your game, your repertoire? And he, he kind of you know flipped the, the question back at the reporter. And I, I don't, I mean, look, we can all talk about whether or not he should have been more aggressive what needs to be added to his offensive game, his bag, you know, is it a three point shot? Is it just a more consistent midi? I mean, is it something else? You know, I I remember talking to Chris Bosh a couple of years ago and even at that point in time, he said, just Bam needs to be more aggressive. The skill is there. The ability is there. He just doesn't always feel comfortable taking that shot and that's not something that he can manifest quickly and look I mean the compare that's partly why that comparison to Jokic is an easy one because I mean you know he he wasn't a natural scorer at first and maybe he was much more competent as a scorer certainly a better shooter but uh, I mean Bam has to be able to take that next step uh, in his evolution and can he if he doesn't can he still be the player that attracts other free agents knowing that Jimmy's going to be older and maybe not necessarily a
0: superstar towards that latter part of his contract. I think it's a tough question. So one thing with Bam, he had one of those postseasons, and we've seen other guys have these, where it's just like he just he didn't look right. And because everyone's so invested in the sport, they tend to want to find out, and then when the speculation kind of arises, like why wouldn't he play more aggressive? Why would he look so checked out? Why would he battle with a reporter after in the in the postseason press conference, etc. Sometimes guys just have stuff going on, and sometimes guys just are in bad head spaces like they're humans and these things happen. I tend to think that Bam still has a lot of growth potential. I think I I go back and forth a lot with him because when I watch him, you know, he's just, he's incredible, right? You go through the clips and you're just like, God, he can do everything. Like he can just do everything. And then you kind of like look at him game by game and it's like, okay, but how much does he actually shape the game? Like, that's a big question is how much does he impact the game? Like how much does he shape the way that 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 game's result ends up like those are the things that we judge MVPs on and Joker evolved to a point where he was one of the most complete and influential players on the outcome in the league. And that's why he's going to win the MVP with Bam. I do think that there's too much of it is just complimentary stuff. It's just like, Oh, that was like a really nice sequence, or that was a really nice play or that was a you know fantastic sequence, or he had a really great night as opposed to like Bam dominated. Like Bam was the best player on that floor and there was no question about it. There were nights. So I think there were nights throughout the season you can point to, but again, a lot of this does get into like, all right, the playoffs are a different beast, but we also saw him have great games last year. So of all the players, I kind of want to take it, take Bam's performance and go, all right, let's give him a pat. Like he gets a mulligan. All right. We'll see what he does next year. If, if this continues to be a pattern or if whatever was going on in his head evolves into a broader thing which we have seen with players before you have much bigger issues but i definitely don't want to say that's going to happen i got no reason to think that he's a great player he's a great competitor he's in prime condition and he's young he should be awesome and that can definitely do it you talk about wanting to bring guys in that's where you do need a butler you need a franchise guy that's going to be able to pull him in unless there's another star that comes available and says that's where i want to be
1: matt and i will continue talking about miami's playoff run jimmy butler and the rest of the team roster but first just a reminder that Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. And who couldn't use a refreshing treat after that long playoff run? Look, nine delicious flavors. So easy to just like any one of them. And they're all 100% covered in chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. And right now, you can build your own box if you head over to builtbar.com and use a promo code LOCKEDON. You get 15% off your first order. Who couldn't beat that? Promo code LOCKED15. You get 15% off, but only if you go to builtbar.com. And with that money you save over at Bilt Bar, you can make even more of it if you go to Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season's in full swing; you can track all the action on Bet Online. But there's tons of sports action with the start of the new WNBA season, the NBA playoffs, of course, and the NHL, and much, much more. Head over to Bet Online or on your laptop or mobile device. Check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, contest information, and much more. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the NBA Finals. Head to the website or use your mobile device and sign up today. Receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online your online sportsbook experts and don't forget to use the promo code locked on get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with a locked on today podcast Host Peter Burkowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. Is he a better four or five? I mean, obviously, with Spolstra and positionless basketball, I think I was a little surprised that they went with Bam at the five all season long, considering it was something that they they kind of saved for the playoffs last year. And, yeah, obviously, it worked. But do you think that's his natural progression is for to remain at the center spot, uh, considering he's somewhat undersized? And I think if you're looking at why he might have been into a a negative headspace during the playoffs, it's going up against somebody who is much larger physically than him and Brooke Lopez, a giant of a human being and taking a lot of what Bam can do. Uh, away from him because he's just an incredible obstacle. There were moments there where Bam's jumper just looked really inconsistent and just the rhythm was completely off. He didn't seem to have the timing of it. He was using bank a lot more than he normally does because he had to arch his shot over Brook Lopez's nine-foot-tall hand, you know? So those kinds of things matter, and you wonder whether or not maybe he's not necessarily cut out to play the center spot because there are always going to be bigger opponents and not necessarily – so slow that you can dominate so i wonder if you have any sense of whether or not Miami should kind of change back to where they were, where they get a, a shooting big to compliment him. They had somebody like that in Olympic, They had somebody like that in Myers Leonard last year that worked. Miami's offense was pretty good uh, both times. And and I wonder, I don't know if there's anybody like that available on the market, but it's certainly something worth exploring, I think.
0: Man, uh, Linux really was the elephant in the room in that series, wasn't he? Like, I, I, for all their troubles, they needed one guy to kind of unlock things to put so much pressure on Miami that they started. But Bucks to fans kind of seem to think
1: bit. I'm a joke because I mentioned that, but no, I thought he would have been a don't. huge
0: Actor there, like
1: to stretch the floor. Yeah, yeah, I
0: mean, it's, it's weird. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, but Bucks fans, uh, I understand why Bucks fans went at you, David. I gotta tell you, I understand why they, they were feeling they were feeling themselves, uh, uh, given how Miami reacted last year. But uh, I think absolutely, like a linux ability to t- just the pick and pop stuff, that's an easy counter for it. Look, if Brooks gonna drop five feet back in the paint. The easy thing is to be like, all right, we're going to spread you out and we're going to make you move in space. And this is the same thing that every drop scheme heavy team struggles with. It's one of the reasons why Zubach is not playing in the series versus the Mavericks Right? is he can't contain if Kleber pops. He can't contain if Porzingis pops. That space is really really difficult. You're going to see it um, in future rounds, not the next one because Capella can't do it. But when the Sixers play a team, even if Embiid's healthy, You're going to see that same dynamic where if they have to, if he, he, his, his kind of anchoring to a drop scheme is going to cause them problems versus teams that are willing to go five out, even if he's able to punish them on the other end of the floor offensively. So getting back to the central question, I do think that, look, there was this big push with the Warriors and Draymond and the death lineup. And it was like, okay, this is the new NBA. You're five. You don't need size. All you need is skill or shooting some combination of those two and, you know, some muscle to be able to rebound effectively. So you're not just getting destroyed on the boards. We're seeing a shift away from that because look Joker, obviously MVP Western conference finals appearance, you know, leading his team. Clearly it's a problem. If you can't match up with them, it's just a problem. You've got the Lakers playing Davis and Drummond and whether Davis should play five more, they are better in those five man units, but they're also really good when they have two bigs on the floor with a big next to Davis next to LeBron, like that combo that you're it's easy to be like, well, yeah, they have LeBron. Yes. But giving LeBron a a rim lob option and a guy that can get offensive tip backs and then have Davis spread the floor with his athleticism and size, that combo is what gives teams problems. cat's not going anywhere. And you've got all of these other players that are going to be coming in and evolving like Jaron Jackson, Jr. Jonas Valanciunas in Memphis. You better bring a big lineup versus those guys. Jaron's going to be better next year. Once he gets past the meniscus tear. like he will have a full off season and we'll be better. We're seeing, I think what now it used to be like positional versatility just meant, can you go small? right? And now what it really means is look, you better be able to go small, big switch, pressure the ball drop, zone you better be able to do all of it because if you can't you're going to be in situations where teams will absolutely punish you for what you cannot do like that's what we're saying and that that continues to be the the entire message of playoff basketball and a lot of what miami ran into was the bucks were able to say we're going to take away this and we're going to take away this and we're going to focus in on this and we're going to make this hard on you what's your counter and the heat did not have one unlike last year because of a couple of reasons bam was one of it goran dragoch not looking like 2014 was part of it jimmy having a rough series was part of it and the linux was part of it you need i think as much versatility as as possible and you say like how are you supposed to to build a roster like that that's a challenge you know and so i, I do think they should probably look for a a center that they can interchange inside and out with. You don't want somebody who's just a bruiser and you don't want somebody who's just a floor spacer. You want somebody, I think, that can play next to BAM, take different assignments, has a little bit more size, but can also still maintain your floor spacing. I think all those things are important if you want to compete in where the NBA is at right now.
1: That concludes part one of my conversation with Matt. Make sure to check out part two, where we talk about what the Heat can do to improve in the future and how national media members, including Matt, have reacted to Miami's temporary shortcomings. Just a reminder that you can always reach me via email at LockedOnHeat at gmail.com or via Twitter using the hashtag AskLOHeat. Be sure to please follow the show and leave a review. Special thanks to all of our sponsors for supporting today's show. And thanks to all of you. This is David O'Meill signing off for now.